is finally Resurrection Sunday. Amen. We have a two and a half year old. Some of you may know her. Her name is Jade. And then we have baby Sky. But I was trying to get Jade to say, I was trying to explain the Easter story, which is very difficult for someone who doesn't understand the concept of death. <laughs> and we didn't really want to get into that. <laughs> and so just telling her, just trying to teach her, say resurrection. <laughs> just that was an accomplishment in itself. Uh, but I don't know about you. I don't know if it's just me. But I feel like I closed my eyes in March and I I woke up halfway in, into April. Is that, am I the only one? Does somebody feel like that? We've just been going nonstop and work and everything, and we've had a lot of sickness in our home. I don't know, um, a, a lot of, I guess, since last Sunday, I think half the church got sick last Sunday. Everybody's just kind of been sick as well. And so this week, we, we were going to drop off the girls, and here's me still thinking we're in March. We're dropping the girls off at school, and everyone's uh, saying, Boa Pascua, Boa Pascua, Boa Pascua. I'm like, wow, I guess it's Easter. Can everybody say that? Boa Pasqua. Okay, keep that for April 2023. I don't think it'll be very useful for you. Sunday. Easter is finishing today, but now you know how to say Happy Easter in Portuguese. It's very much part of our culture still today, even non-Christians saying Boa Pasqua, and it's a beautiful thing. And I, I absolutely love Easter. It's, it's my favorite time of the year, not just this actual weekend but spring and it's my birthday next week so you can jot that down April 26th just insert that there the perks of having the microphone um but it's Easter and, and it, everything is coming to life and the flowers are blooming and it is the moment in time where the church just more than ever shouts out to the world that our redeemer lives <laughs> There's something so joyful about that. There's something so beautiful about that. And Reuben knows that I love Easter. And so he does the preaching schedule. And I think four out of the five years that we have led Riverside Lisbon, I've preached on Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> Because I love what it represents. I love what this day means for the church. I love what it means for me as a follower of Christ. That though I was unworthy, that though I am a sinner, that God would not leave things as they were. What I deserve, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. What we deserved is to live eternally separate from God, a God who is so holy, a God who is so perfect that our sin could not come into his presence, but he would make a way. And we sing about Jesus, who is the lamb, who is the atonement for our sins. And because of him, because he died and he rose again, he conquered death. And because he has conquered death, death has no power over us. I don't have to be afraid of death. I don't have to be afraid of my tomorrow because I have this blessed assurance in the God who has paid a price for me, the God who has a plan and a purpose for me. Oh, this day is a joyful day. This day is a powerful day. Have you ever found yourself in a conversation with an unbeliever? It's Easter it is the evidence of Christianity. The resurrection is the evidence of what we believe as Christ followers. You ever found yourself in a conversation with an unbeliever that goes, well, well how do you know that the Bible is true? 
And you go, well, because it's the word of God. Well, how do you know it's the word of God? Because the Bible says so. Well, why should I trust the Bible? Because it's the word of God. <laughs> and you're kind of stuck in the circular argument. And while everything you're saying is true, the unbeliever is left a skeptic because he can't see the evidence or the logic in your argument that is so infused with your faith. And so how do you get out of the circular argument? The answer is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How do you know that the Bible is true? Oh, because Jesus said so. Well, why should I trust Jesus? Because he rose from the dead. And I'm going to go with the guy who claimed he is God and backed it up with a resurrection. Today is a powerful day. And you can go into all kinds of apologetics of why the resurrection makes sense. The eyewitness, the eyewitnesses, the fact that it was women that found Jesus. And, and you wouldn't put that in your narrative in an in a era of patriarchy where women's word was not trustworthy so many things that could evidence the the resurrection we're not going to go into that but today is a day where we can evidence what we believe and without the resurrection it really does doesn't make sense without Jesus raising from the dead it's pointless it's worthless in fact Paul was writing to a church in Corinth and he says but if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, then everything I'm saying here, the whole, the whole time we're spending here as a church, really it's pointless because if he didn't raise from the dead, then, then he's just a guy. Then he was just a nice teacher who, who, who made some nice promises. But really, he, he ha he's dead. There's nothing he can do to help me. There's nothing he can do to, to give me any kind of hope for my future. But as Christians, we believe in the word of God, and we believe that he did rise from the dead. And because of that, there is power. Because of that, he has no equal. He has no rival. Nothing compares to him who is our Lord of Lords, our King of Kings. And so I'm really, really excited to preach on this day. But at the same time, I feel so much pressure. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I feel so much pressure to preach on Resurrection Sunday. It's really imposed, self-imposed pressure. Because I mean... People come to church on Easter Sunday. Like there's some of you here who usually don't go to church, but you came to church today. And we live in a time where I got a text this weekend or this week, earlier in the week, I got a text um, from my aunt and it was one of those texts that said like, do this and you can win a thousand euros. I was like, ah, oh, she always falls for these things. And so I just kind of ignore, ignore that text, and then I get another text the same, the, saying the same thing, and another text, and another text, and everybody's sending this text. And so eventually, 1,000 euros, I'm going to look into it. And I think a lot of people all over the world today are kind of thinking the same thing. What you're telling me, <laughs> that there is a God that loved me so much that he would die on the cross, that he would pay the price for my sin in my place, and that he loves me and wants to have a relationship with me, you look into that. You want to look into that. And so my tendency as I prepare for this message, Resurrection Sunday message, 
is to think this is my shot. Like how, how can I wow people? How can I make this sermon the sermon that's going to change people's lives forever? Because something you need to know about me is that I've been a Christ follower since I was about seven years old. Where I remember the moment, I remember the, the exact time where I gave my life to Jesus and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I cannot imagine my life without him. He has completely completely transform my life he's the air that I breathe he's the one I want to please he's everything I live for he has given me a purpose he has given me a new identity and I love him with every fiber in my being and I so want you to know the same God that's why we lead church. That's why we're pastors because our sole desire is that people would come to know who Jesus Christ is. Is that people would also surrender and say, I don't want to live for me anymore, but I have found, I have tasted and seen the Lord Jesus and, and I just want to live for him. And so my tendency is to think, what can I possibly say? Jesus, give me the words so that I can finally say the right thing that will make it all clear for people. That will just bring revelation to people. What can I say? And as it turns out, as I was preparing this message, Jesus had a radically different posture. You know, like on the special Sundays, on the days that brought the crowds, when Jesus had his time to bring out the quotable sayings and, and the tweetable, Instagrammable quotes. When Jesus had his chance to really make the gospel as clear as water so that everyone could understand and everyone could become his follower, it turns out that actually, unlike me, Jesus didn't try to make things simple. That actually, Jesus made things even more confusing. If we look at one particular episode in Luke chapter 8, I'm going to ask Jode to come up and read this for us. It says that while a large crowd was gathering, people were coming to Jesus from town to town. Like everyone was coming. This is his moment. The crowds were gathering. This, you don't need to sit down. This is what Jesus, <laughs> give a round of applause, give a round of applause. <laughs> All right, this is what Jesus said. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than, a sown, than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks, Jure. Okay, so imagine this. It is Resurrection Sunday. I come up here and I tell you guys, we have a guest speaker today. It is Jesus himself. He's in the house. You're like, whoa, this is awesome. Jesus is here. Everybody gives him a round of applause. He comes up, grabs a microphone, and he goes, 
So there's this farmer, <laughs> and uh, he was scattering some seed. Some fell on a pavement, and some birds ate it, and then he scattered some more seed, and some fell on rocky soil, and uh, the sun came out and killed it, and some fell on thorny soil, and it just choked it up, and some fell on good soil, and uh, it produced a lot of fruit. And if you get it, you get it, and if you don't, you don't. And he gave over a call of, up the worship team, give over the microphone, and that's his message. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I'd be coming up here, apologies, he probably had a busy week, didn't have time to prepare, guys. <sighs> but that was his message. That's what Jesus said when he had his moments with the crowd. That's what he was saying. And his disciples, they go up to him, they go, what? did that mean? What are you talking about? Explain. What does this mean? It says in verse 9, his disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. What? Why did he speak in parables? So that people would see but not really see so that they would hear but not really understand wait i i thought jesus spoke in parables so that he would kind of break things down right i mean he was speaking about a farmer because he was speaking in people that understood agriculture he was trying to make things simple and jesus goes no no that's that's not what i'm doing when i speak in parables i'm doing it so that though they hear me they won't really get it wait you want people to walk away confused what is Jesus doing? See, the ones who really wanted him, the ones who really wanted to understand, the ones who really wanted to know who Jesus was, and, and the ones who believed, no, this is the promised one, this is the Messiah, he, he is who he says he is, the ones who really wanted to know, they would come after him like the disciples did. They wanted it. Those are the people that Jesus really wants to talk to. The crowds, they're just going to hear some story about dirt and soil, and they're going to walk away because you know what? They don't really care to begin with. Jesus says, I, I want the people who really want me. I want the people who come after me. And he explains it in this parable. He says, the seed is like the word of God. Some people, I'll toss the seed out and they're like the sidewalk. You know, some people, even in this room, we were having a nice time having breakfast and we sing some nice songs. But the moment I talked about Jesus, the moment that I talk about the gospel, it's like this wall comes up inside of you and you're like, you know what, that's, that's not for me. And maybe some of you guys know people like this in your workplaces, people like this in your own families where everything is cool, but the moment you talk about Jesus, no, that's, that's not for me. And Jesus says, why, why would I water that? And then some, some seed I, I toss out and it falls on rocky ground. And these are the people that go, yeah, yeah, I, I want Jesus. Give me Jesus. We make the appeal, you know, with the piano in the background. Their emotions are, are, are bustling. And they go, I want Jesus. But the moment, Jesus says, the moment that hardship comes, the moment that they face trials for my sake, they go, you know what, this, this isn't for me, actually. You know, if, if God was real, then I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through, and this, this isn't for me. And Jesus says, why, why would I spend time watering that? 
And then some other people, they're, they're, the, the seed is thrown out and they're like the thorny soil where they say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have some God, you know. I think I can, I can fit Easter Sunday in my schedule. I can take that morning and I can come to church and I'll have a little bit of God in my life. I can mix things around and, and, and put some of my relationships around there and I can fit Jesus. You know, it'd be really nice to raise my kids in church and have good morals and just, I'm, I'm a good person. Church sounds like a good place. And so they just kind of mix Jesus in there and Jesus goes, yeah, that's, that's not for me. You know, I need, I need all of your heart. I need all of your life. And Jesus says, I, I'm not going to water that. But then Jesus says, some people, I throw the seed out and they've completely cleared their hearts and they go, I just, I just want Jesus. I'll clear everything out. I'll clear the relationships. I'll clear my other priorities. Nothing, nothing compares to Jesus. I'll have just, there's a song that says, you can have all the world, but just give me Jesus. And Jesus goes, I can fertilize that soil. I can water that soil and it'll grow a fruit thousand times, a hundred times what I planted. That's who Jesus wants. That's what Jesus was telling the crowds. He was telling them, look, I'm, I'm not going to spend my time on all of you because you know, at the end of the day, some of you just don't want me. I can see right through you. Some of you just, you don't really want me. And so I'm just going to tell you some story and the good soil will come after me. And that's what the disciples did. And so my prayer for, you, for us this morning is that if your heart is a soil that says, I, I don't want Jesus, look, just let's not talk about him then. Or if you're one of those people that, that was trying to fix Jesus and fit Jesus in, in the midst of so many other things and stuff, then I pray that God will change the soil of your heart till you pursue him with everything that you are, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. Because he is so worth it. Jesus isn't interested in the crowds. You see, the question is, how much do you want truth? Like, really? How much do you want truth? the truth. Because there's some times that we don't really want the truth. Like before I met Ruben, um, I'm one of those people that I can't really, I was one of those people <laughs> that I don't really like to drink at the meal. Like it fills me up. I'd rather get filled up on food. Um, but then I met Ruben who introduces Coke Zero into our lives. We have a rivalry with the losers here because they're all about like the original Coke. Blech. But um, we uh, drink Coke Zero at home, and, and Ruben might have a slight addiction. He won't, uh, uh, he won't admit to that, probably. Pray for him. Um, but he, he'll drink Coke Zero at every meal, and he just really enjoys it. And so sometimes, usually closer to summer, he'll get into these, like, um, diets, you know, you got to get ready for your summer bod. And so he'll cut, I'll see him cutting like the birthday cake at parties and I'll see him cutting the carbs and, and cutting all kinds of treats. But there he'll be eating like his salad with a Coke Zero. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I think maybe the 
Coke Zero isn't healthy. And I think deep down, he knows, but he's like, no, just, you know, don't give me the truth. Just let me believe that this Coke Zero is healthy. It's zero. Zero means it's healthy. Let me just believe that, like, the fizziness is nutrients coming into my body, this nutritious drink that is doing me so good. Because he doesn't, doesn't just let me. And I think some people are like that with God. Like, just don't, okay, just don't give me the truth. Like, I'm just happy. I'm just, just let me believe that God is this nice being. That, 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 just let me believe that God is this nice person up there that when we die, we go and we, we spend time with him, something like that. Like, you know, you've been doing this message series on Exodus and the plagues and, and God sending plagues and killing the firstborn. Like, no, I'm not into that. Like, don't give me the truth. Just let me believe what I want to believe. Because it just... It just makes me happy. It just suits me. But what if it's not true? You know, what if you're sitting there, you're like, just, this works for me. But what if that's not true? What if it's not true what we hear at every single funeral? You know, they're in a better place. Well, what if it's not true? What if it's not true that when somebody passes away, we all go, R.I.P., rest in peace. Well, what if they're not? in peace do you really want to know the truth or do you just want to stay in your own world because that works for you and you're comfortable that way some people go well i i refuse to believe in a god that would send people to hell you refuse what if it's true you just refuse See, most people's belief systems, they're based upon desire and not truth. We believe what we want to believe. And so the question for us this morning is how much do you really want the truth? Even if it's completely different from what you were raised with, How much do you want the truth about God, even if it is completely different from what you currently believe? Even if it's going to require you to change some things, even if it's going to shift your whole paradigm on life and everything you base your choices and your decisions on, how much do you really want the truth? See, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus wasn't about just telling people nice things they want to hear. He wasn't about calling the crowds in and then just giving this really nice persuasive speech and getting more subscribers on his YouTube channel and more followers on his Instagram. No, Jesus was about the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus is about the truth. How much do you really want to know him? Do you really thirst for him? Do you really hunger for his presence? All right, so Jesus, in Luke chapter 14, we're going to turn over there, and Jesus gets his another chance. Gets another chance to talk to the crowds. Here we are again, Easter part two. Everybody's there ready to hear what Jesus is going to say. And this is what he says. 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. What? Like this is, this is what Jesus is telling the crowds. Like, imagine I call Jesus up again. All right, guys, part two. Jesus himself is here. Whoa, we're so excited. Everybody applause. He comes up, gets the microphone. You hate your mother? No? Don't bother. You hate your brother? You hate your own life? No? Don't bother. I'm, I'm sure this time I would be coming up and I'd be apologizing big time. Like, guys, I'm, I'm so sorry. He's just, I don't know what's up with him lately. You know, he's just not on his A game. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's on about. He, he didn't really mean that. He didn't, he didn't mean that whole thing about hating your kids. He didn't know your kid like Cohen. He's just, he hasn't seen Cohen. He didn't, he didn't meet your, he didn't, he was talking about some other people, not us here in Riverside, Lisbon. Like, he wasn't talking about your kids. That whole thing about hating your life, like, no, he, he didn't, he didn't know some of you have really important jobs. Like, some of you are doing really important things. Jesus, he didn't mean that. Or maybe he did. Maybe God really thinks that he is that great. Maybe Jesus, Jesus thinks that he is that great that nothing compares to him. Maybe he really thinks he's so great that we should be looking at him going, really? Like, you're telling me that, that Jesus loves me? That God loves me? Maybe Jesus thinks that he is that beautiful, that he is that holy, that he is that perfect, that he is that majestic, that we should be coming into his presence saying, I, I can come in? Me, a sinner. Jesus died for me. You would put your spirit inside of me. See, I think... God is so great that he thinks we should take one glance at him and just say, I'll give up anything for you. We should be looking at the cross and we should be saying, God, I'll do anything, anything like nothing compares my, my spouse, my children, my career, my success, my reputation. God, I'll give it all up for you. They can have the whole world. They can have everything. I don't have time to think. I couldn't care less what people think about me. I just want Jesus. That's what God thinks of himself. That's how Jesus taught. And so I'm not going to apologize for Jesus' words this morning. And maybe some of you are like, what kind of Easter message is this? I came to the wrong church this morning. But as a preacher, sometimes it's like we're, we're begging people. Come on, you have to understand this. Come on, just come to Jesus. You don't understand, just, just come to Jesus. When meanwhile, we should be begging God. We should be on our knees saying, just give me more of you. 
God, I just want more of your presence. God, I just want more of your promises in my life. God, I just want, I just want more of you. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Rid me of myself. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I just want more of God. That should be our posture this morning. Not this consumerist Christianity that we come to church wanting to be pumped up and, and encourage me and, and just, just say them some nice things that I can retweet later. No, we should be coming to church rejoicing because we have the privilege and the honor of worshiping a God that is so good. He is so other than. Nothing compares. Nothing. Your wildest dreams don't compare to the presence of God. Your desires, even the trials that you live right now, they're so small in comparison to the eternity that we will live with him. The Bible says, though you suffer a little while, and I know it doesn't feel like that sometimes, but he is worthy of it all. He is so worthy of it all. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had and he bought that field. The kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure and he just, he sells everything else. He just goes and he sells everything else because he goes, I can have Jesus. I can have the Lord of Lords. I can enter into the presence of the God most high. He goes and he sells everything else because it just doesn't matter anymore. Nothing compares. See, the kingdom of heaven is for those that are so bewildered so amazed, so overwhelmed by the gospel and who God is that they say, you can have my family, you can have my career, my success, whatever you want, any earthly thing. I just want this treasure. I just want Jesus. It's for people who are crazy about him, who are completely surrendered to him, their dreams, their desires, their wants, their needs. The kingdom of God is not for people who say, yeah, I I could have a little bit of God in my life. Yeah, this Lord of Lords that you're talking about, that's nice. Like, I'll put him in this corner in my life. It'll be nice. If you're trying to balance God with everything else in your life, then the Bible says, you know what? It's okay. Like, just don't. Jesus says, don't, don't throw me in with the rest of everything. Don't compare me to your mom. Don't compare me to your kids. Don't compare me to your career. Like, I'm God. I'm other than. I'm on a whole. Like, I'm just so much greater. It's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy how radical he is. He's that great that he can go around saying things like this. I'm talking about a treasure, a love that is so incredibly immense. His grace and his mercy 
that is so, so beyond anything that I could put into words this morning. Our God is an awesome God. You see, Jesus didn't, didn't try to convince people to follow him. Jesus, do you want me? Come after me. It's always been like that. In Jeremiah 29 and 13, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with? What was that? All of your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Not just casually looking for truth. With all of your heart. Do you really want to know God? Do you really want Jesus? Because here's the thing about him. He's a free gift. This sacrifice that I don't know if you, if those of you who are here and we watch the Passion of the Christ on Friday and it just makes his suffering so vivid. And yet it's just a glimpse of the immense pain that he went through for you and I. But it's a free gift. Freely he died. Freely he offers salvation. He offers mercy. We don't have to work for it. That's the beauty of this faith is that while all other religions are saying you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to work your way and you have to be a good person and no matter how much you try, you know you're not enough. In Christianity, we believe in a God who is gracious and merciful enough to say, I know, I know you'll never be enough, but I am and I will make a way. And so he offers the salvation freely. But here's the thing. He'll only give it if you're willing to give up everything else for it. Not if you're just like, yeah, this is nice. I'll just throw that in the garage back there with all my other things. No, he is too valuable for that. He is too precious for that. When Peter preached in that first service ever, in Acts chapter 3, I believe, people got it. He preached the gospel and he, he spoke with a passion. I wish if I could go back in time, that's probably one of the moments that I would have gone back to. Hearing Peter preach the gospel and he wasn't just preaching about something he heard. Like he lived this forgiveness. He lived through this transformation, this inner transformation. He lived through gaining a new identity and a new purpose for his life. And this man is on fire. He is telling people about the power of the gospel. And those people, they got it. Jesus would die for me. You're telling me that, that I can have new life? That I can, I can have a new identity in Jesus Christ? You're telling me that I am a son? That I am a daughter of the God most high? Those people got it. They said, what can we do? What do we have to do? Where do we sign up? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Repent of your sins. Turn away. Turn away from your old life. Acknowledge your need for Jesus Christ and believe in what he did for you on the cross. For all who confess their sins and believe that he is Lord will have eternal life and be baptized. Immerse yourself 
immerse, quite literally immerse yourself, recognizing that your old life is gone, that you are dead to sin and raise up to the new. Identify, relate yourself with Jesus Christ who has conquered death. You no longer have to be a slave to fear. You no longer have to fear death. You can rise up into a new creation, into the new that God has for you. And those people say, where do I go? Let me be baptized. And here's the thing. Back then, at this point in time, you don't want to be seen publicly to be a follower of Jesus. Like that meant being baptized meant people watching. People from the synagogues who would have said, no, you, you know, if you're going to do that, you're, you're not welcome in the synagogue anymore. People who probably wouldn't want to do business with you anymore. They would have been forsaking their, their income. They would have been forsaking their financial well-being. People in their family that possibly would have seen them been like, no, you know what? Like, not that. Don't, don't, don't come around the house anymore. People that would have probably wanted to kill them as the early church was persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ, and they did it anyway. They said, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I found a treasure that is so great. I found a Jesus who loves me, and I just want to give my life to him. It doesn't matter what risk I incur. It doesn't matter. I just I take it all. You can have all the world. You can have the synagogue. You can have my family. You can have my career. You can have my financial well-being. You can have whatever. I just want Jesus. I just want this treasure. I just want the Lord of lords who has created me, who has a plan and a purpose for me, who works all things things together for the good of those who love him who gives them a plan and a purpose I just want Jesus those people they got it and so my question today and I want to call up the worship team my question is do you love Jesus this way is this a day where you just can't wait to worship him is this a day where, where instead of looking inward and, and what can I get and, and how can I feel good today? No, this is a day where we worship him because it's part of who he is. He's a generous God that as we worship him, we're just filled up. It's the beautiful thing about God that as we enter into his presence, we are just overflowing with his blessing, his healing, his promises. But are you just so hungry for Jesus? Are you just so thirsty for more of him? Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Does his love compel you? Is he Lord over your life this morning? I'm not saying all of you should go quit your jobs and go to the streets and scream about Jesus, but you know the things in your life that you've been withholding from him. Jesus wants to come in. He doesn't just want to trickle into your heart. He wants to come in like a flood in your heart where his living water just goes into every area of your life does his love compel you this morning 
Do you know this Jesus that we are talking about? This Jesus that died for you. He loves you. And I can't, I wish, I wish that my words could just make a click in your mind for you to understand how much He really does love you. But will you seek Him with all of your heart? And I'm telling you, you will find Him. This good soil that is cleared of everything else and says, I just, I just want Jesus. If you choose to believe what we preach week in and week out, repent and be baptized. That's why we are so joyful. Last week when Mariana and Babish said, you know, we'd love to get baptized. We said, where do we go? Let's go. Let's head to the beach. Everybody, come on. Whoever can get there, let's go. Let's immerse you so that you are dead to your old life. And now you are a new creation, following, choosing to follow Christ, giving yourself to him. There's nothing that rejoices our hearts more. There's a party in heaven when people repent, when sinners say, I no longer want to live for myself but I want to be baptized so that I may just continue in obedience to the one who has called me repent and be baptized he is worthy of it all he is worthy of it all and it's a free gift but you have to be willing to make space You have to be willing to clear out whatever else is going on in your heart, whatever else is you're still holding on to. You have to be willing to give up your control, to give up your decision-making power, and you have to give the throne to Him because it belongs to Him alone. We're going to worship this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. We're going to sing of the Father's love. Of how deep the Father's love is for us. And, and this song really, it's, it's a song that it, 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 it describes the gospel message. It couldn't be clearer than this. What kind of soil is your heart? Speak to Him this morning. Search Him with all of your being and you will find him.